0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe.
0: Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio.
1: Right now, delighted to welcome Business Minister Nadahim Sahawi to the show. Good morning to you.
0: Good morning. James.
1: Lots to talk about this morning. Can we start with that IMF report yesterday, which uh, made very gloomy reading, uh, downgraded their already very miserable forecast for the world economy to 4.9% contraction over this year and uh, uh, recovery next year, hopefully 10.2% contraction for the UK economy down uh, from previous uh, predictions. Um Uh, Are you concerned that things are a lot worse than we thought on the economy and that the easing of the lockdown, although some people are criticising it for being too soon, is actually too late and we are going to have a much steeper hill to climb?
0: Well, I think this uh, pandemic uh, emergency was really in, in three chapters. Chapter one was responding to the emergency and asking people to stay at home, protect the NHS and save lives, where the Chancellor, quite rightly, wrapped his arms round jobs and the economy hence the furlough scheme um, and of course bounce back scheme and all the other schemes were designed uh, with that in mind to save as many jobs in the economy as possible over nine million people getting their wage packet through furlough Um, the next phase the next chapter if I can describe it as as that is now as we get the the economy back on its feet opening up and the prime minister on the first of June opened up car showrooms and outdoor markets, 15th of June, the rest of retail, 4th of July, restaurants, pubs, Uh, and we're laying a bill today to make it easier for people to have alfresco dining outside uh, their favorite restaurants and and bars. Um, All that uh, is uh, important and the interventions we make in the economy are we review, so furlough is extended and made more flexible, and we look at all our interventions that we help businesses get back uh, on their feet get back to making sure they're selling and making a profit and then the final chapter is what stimulus can you inject in the economy uh, both financial and non-financial to make it easier to invest to grow your business to do more business and to hire more people um, some people have clearly uh, uh, will not be returning to their current roles because their companies are changing, uh, you know, uh, uh, they're right-sizing their businesses as such. Uh, So there's a lot of work. Uh, Alok Sharma, the Secretary of State, Uh, has been deep diving uh, on a recovery task force with businesses, um, with uh, business representatives, so that we can make sure the recovery is as dynamic uh, as we can make it to build back better. you know, looking at green investment, looking at making sure that we listen to business and take their ideas and translate that into action.
1: Um, and what do you feel about uh, businesses who are desperately trying to keep afloat? They've looked down, not only have had no money coming in, they've had to furlough workers, but they, they, they've they basically been you know, hemorrhaging cash and all their savings, if they've got any, in recent uh, months. Uh, raising their prices, I understand that business that ministers have warned uh, the likes of pubs uh, and restaurant owners and indeed uh, you know hair salons and, and, and pretty much across the board shops don't raise prices at uh, this time because this would be price gouging. Um we know that some traders, you know, were were doing this with, say, hand sanitizer and and things uh, during the early stages of the pandemic. But but why shouldn't a, a, a small business or even a big business, desperate to keep themselves afloat, why shouldn't they be charging more, given that they've got more costs and they have to have fewer customers because of social distancing rules to make ends meet? What's wrong with that?
0: Well, in the case of shortages of supply, as we saw with hand sanitizers, as you mentioned. Um, and any other product, it, it is absolutely uh, wrong to price gouge and we will come down on it really hard. In terms of you know, charging a price for your service, the best protection for the consumer is competition. Uh, people can choose, you know, uh, they can vote with their feet where they go to have their hair done or where they go to have a drink or a nice meal. Uh, and so I think uh, making sure that uh, all restaurants, all pubs uh, get to reopen safely. Obviously, businesses have to make a risk assessment of how they can do that with the one metre plus mitigation, uh, whether it be you know more uh, hand uh, sanitising points, um, maybe uh, screens, uh, you know other measures. We're asking all restaurants uh, to take reservations with a name and telephone number yep. so that if we need to test and trace, we can very quickly to remain ahead of the virus. But competition ultimately is the greatest protection for the consumer.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you should, you're not saying there should be a rule against these people trying to make some extra cash to keep and make ends meet. I, mean, I booked a, I booked a pub and I booked a restaurant on July the 4th. I'm quite happy to pay extra. It's not human right to go to the pub. Felt like it for three months, but you human right to go to the pub or go to a restaurant. For them to keep afloat, keep those businesses going, keep everyone on the staff in a job. I think it's only fair we have to pay a bit extra. That's reasonable.
0: Well, as I say, people will vote with their with their wallets, right? Yep. People, people go to the pub, they, their favorite pub, their favorite restaurant, and support that okay. that business. And and competition is what keeps. Uh, you know, markets healthy and honest, okay. ultimately. Okay,
1: all right. Uh, let's talk about keeping everything healthy and honest. Robert Jenrick, your uh, colleague in government, the Housing Secretary is under an awful lot of pressure. He's on the front page of a lot of the newspapers today, which is interesting given all the other stories around that focus on him, uh, over this £1 billion housing development that he approved for Richard Desmond, the billionaire, former owner of the Express and Daily Star and the and OK magazine. Um, it was approved the day before a new tax brought in by the government, which was coming into Force, uh, which would uh, the community infrastructure levy, which would have meant that uh, Richard Desmond would have to pay an extra forty million pounds extra to Tower Hamlets Council, one of the poorest councils in the country, uh, to pay for other local amenities for local people, in return for putting up luxury flats. Um, since when has it been government policy to help billionaire party donors to dodge taxes?
0: Well, first of all, it's worth reminding your listeners that Robert Jenrick uh, was on his feet for over an hour explaining this in Parliament. He has written in detail to the Select Committee exactly what he did. He uh, was the first to admit that with hindsight, the benefit of hindsight, he could have uh, managed this in a different way. Uh, But he also promised the Select Committee that he would publish all documents, all text messages, everything around uh, this issue. And he has done that. Absolute transparency and and so the the ray of sunshine is a great disinfectant and you can see today through all those documentation he made it very clear to Richard Desmond the billionaire as he quite rightly put it that he can't meet with him on this issue. Rob's absolute energy and focus and intention is to get more homes built and viability if you look at all the 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 sort of the coverage today on this and i've been doing lots of interviews on this this morning uh, the word viability is the one that stands out and ultimately we can talk about development we can come on your program so we want to get young people on the housing ladder we want more families who've never been able to buy a home to get on a housing ladder. unless those homes are built in tower hamlets or elsewhere then we won't achieve that. With and all due worry. respect,
1: Nadim, housed, the the apartments were going to be built in this luxury development were almost entirely out, wildly, wildly out of the ability of virtually everyone listening right now uh, to afford. These would have been far more expensive. Even these so-called affordable oh, think, homes oh, wouldn't yeah, have yeah, been yeah, very affordable. Oh, that's, Julia, that's not the matter.
0: Julia, 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 it's also worth you reminding your listeners that actually there's a percentage of affordable housing that was going to be built as well on this uh, development. And mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, Labour mayor of London, other planning authorities, other mayors have to make these decisions all the time about viability. Yep. of projects. And if, if, you, if they're not viable, they don't get built and people don't get the housing. And, and,
1: and this is what property developers say to their council. They get their planning approved and they say, oh, the thing is, the costs have overrun. We, we, we now can't possibly afford to build as many of that afford- those affordable housing units, uh, uh, as well as the luxury stuff we're going to make all the profit on. So it won't go ahead unless you give us you know X amount of money or whatever. This happens all the time. Whether or not there was any wrongdoing, and th- there seems to be an accusation that he was influenced by the fact that Richard Desmond had met him at a party, sorry, at a, at a at a fundraising dinner uh, for the Tory Party at which he'd paid twelve thousand pounds. Whether or not, I don't know. I'm not making any accusations. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not privy to this. I'm asking you a simple question. Since when has it been government policy? for a government minister to help a billionaire party donor to dodge taxes. The government brought in the tax, the community infrastructure levy. The whole point of this was millionaire property developers make a load of money from these uh, these apartments. And if they're not going to build quite so many of these uh, social housing and and the the affordable housing, um, the point is that they're supposed to pay millions of pounds to the local authorities so they can use it to spend on local amenities for local people. So the local people benefit. It was a government policy to have this tax. Why is it and when did it become government policy for cabinet ministers to try to help billionaire donors to the party avoid that tax? That's what I'm asking.
0: Well, first of all, as soon as Robert Jenrick felt that there may have been a perception of bias in the way you describe, um, uh, although he absolutely insists there was no bias in his decision making, but the perception was there. this thing was pulled, the plug was pulled on it and a different minister now will actually assess this as is normal in planning. With all due respect, you're
1: not answering my question because the point is that we've got a document that was written by an official in the department which stated that the Secretary of State wanted this decision made before the date when this uh, community infrastructure levy would come into force. Why would, once again, why would a government minister try to seek to help a billionaire property developer who donated to the party or one who hadn't donated to the party? Why would they seek to help anyone avoid paying a tax that the government had brought in to help poorer people in poorer local authorities uh, so that they could actually benefit from these developments? Why would that be in anyone's interest except Richard Desmond's?
0: Well, first of all, you're, you're able to quote all this at me because it is Robert Jenrick and this government who's published all the documents around as he promised he would do to the select committee. Okay. That is what, what, what I've what, asked
1: the question. Secondly, would you I'm mind giving you, me the answer?
0: I'm going to give you the answer, and Robert Jenrick's. Absolute focus was on viability. If the project is not viable, it doesn't get built. No one gets the sill money. No one gets anything else if the project is not built. That is the whole point here, uh, Julia. And it's important that we focus on that. Um, this idea that somehow, you know, Robert Jenrick was was you know influenced by Richard Desmond, others, I don't believe. But when he felt the perception was there, he pulled the plug on this and a different minister would decide this. And Mark said, well, the cabinet secretary has written to the Labour Party, and I wish the Labour Party would, you know, focus on getting kids back to school and, and vulnerable families and their children back to school um, and not sort of use this sort of diversion tactic and, and innuendo that, uh, around Robert Jenrick. Uh, he's done something wrong. Robert Jenrick has said, look, Because of the perception of bias, I will pull away. I will publish everything. I've written in detail to the select committee about what I did and how I took that decision. But now a different minister will make the decision. And Mark Sedwell has said that the Prime Minister considers this thing closed. Online, on DAV, and on the Talk Radio app Talk Radio.
2: Mother's Day is around the corner.
0: across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio.
1: Let's uh, talk about uh, what happens as businesses reopen. We had the non-essential shops reopening the other week. We've got pubs and uh, a lot of them already kind of opening on an unofficial basis really for takeout. That happens to be drunk in the street just outside. Uh, Restaurants reopening. I've already made my my pub booking and my restaurant booking for July the 4th, obviously. And uh, many other uh, retailers are being able to reopen. But is there going to be an issue with price hikes let's talk about this with josh hardy who's deputy director general of the cbi good morning to you josh
3: Good morning, Julia.
1: Thanks Good morning. Oh, always lovely to speak to you. It's an interesting, story in the front of the Telegraph today. Pubs and shops warned not to raise prices in the new normal. Uh, and there's a, a call from ministers um, for businesses uh, not to raise prices during the new normal because they've already been given billions of pounds by the tax, but you've got the furlough money, you've got the business rates uh, help and all of that. Uh, and just saying, look, don't raise your prices to make up for lost revenue, uh, even though you might want to stay charge more to stay afloat. Um is it any business of the government to tell private enterprise? I know they've been helped out, but that was for the good of the whole economy, not just for those businesses. Uh, is it any business of the, the government to tell uh, you know private enterprise what they can charge for items which aren't essentials? I mean, I'm really looking forward to going to the pub, but it's not a human right. I don't I don't need the pub like I need hand sanitising gel at the beginning of a pandemic.
3: Well, I think what government do understand and the, and, and, and should should remember is just the, what it feels like to be a business at the moment. Yeah, look, the relaxation of some of the rules. It's a ray of light, but it's a ray of light still somewhere in the future. A lot of these businesses are really struggling to survive. Uh, you mentioned non-essential retail. I think footfall is up about 50 percent on a couple of weeks ago. Hardly oh, that's surprising. good. Yeah, hardly surprising given given we were in hard lockdown then but it's down 30 percent on this time last year and actually what you're seeing is these firms desperate to support their customers and their employees so if you go to shops now well you're more likely to see discounting and heavy sales actually than price rises um so firms are absolutely not sitting there thinking right okay um i i, I can I can profit from this situation they're thinking how do I survive and avoid laying people off it may be and I think most of us accept that if you're a pub Um, and you've got fewer people, fewer customers, and you're having to employ door staff and other systems, if the price of serving me a pint goes up, then the cost, then the price to me at that point may go up a bit, but I don't think that's going to be wide scale. And if it's done in an irresponsible way, and I don't think it will, well, actually, other firms will then move in. That's how the market yeah. works.
1: That's it. it. It should be up to the market. And, and again, I raised this with the business minister Nadim Zahawi a little bit earlier. And as he was saying, you know, the, 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 that's where competition will prevent this from happening. Now, it's one thing, wasn't it, when we were being charged you know, a tenner for a, for a face mask or some uh, hand sanitising gel? Yeah. But again, a lot of these items, you know, by definition, they're non-essential. Otherwise, we would have had them throughout the pandemic. Um, and, and it may well be, you know, if we do want, you know, our favourite local restaurant or local pub or, or, or local shop to survive the, to the end of the year, that we're going to have to pay a bit extra to help them with those huge extra costs that they've had and the huge losses they've had for the last three months.
3: Well, I think I think firms will do all they can to prevent that because they are desperate for custom. I think if you look at the research The Telegraph was quoting, what, about a fifth of pubs are thinking of maybe putting their prices up a bit. That's hardly whole scale. If the government what the government are thinking about now, and they really should think about this, is what the next wave of support is. Because this is not business as usual for firms. Many can't reopen. Furlough is tapering off. So we're talking to them about whether you can do greater VAT deferrals, support with business rates on um, grants. France and Germany have extended their furlough schemes by a year. I think It's time now to actually put that next wave of support in. And that will be the most important thing in A, maintaining good prices for customers. But more importantly, actually, the wave of unemployment that could hit if we don't take action now and the scarring effect that has on a generation. That is the real concern. And that's what we need to be um, doing everything we can to stop.
0: Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio.
1: Well, it's been a massive boost in the number of people looking at uh, flights abroad and at uh, travel at home as well in the last few days. Uh, I've certainly got my, my, uh, my flight bookings in a few weeks ago. I thought, no, I'm going to be brave. But The air bridges uh, are expected to be announced uh, next week uh, with countries that have good track and trace systems amid a surge in those holiday bookings. Uh, the 14-day quarantine, a lot of people expecting it will be reviewed at the end of this month to not actually be happening, but certainly not with uh, many of the most common destinations like France. France, Spain, Italy, Greece and Germany. Well, let's talk to Simon Calder, travel editor at The Independent, who's live from Heathrow with us right now. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Julia. Yes, trying to make sure sense of all the leaks that we're
4: getting. This <laughs> is really, um, it's now about eight weeks since um, Downing Street uh, uh, decided that they would impose this blanket quarantine. Um, and since then, basically all the airlines here have been tearing their hair out because um, they simply do not know what to make of it. Nobody is booking holidays. Nobody's booking flights apart from you. Um, And that's simply (laughs) because we don't know if we're going to have to stay at home for two weeks um, after we get back. And uh, the, unfortunately Jet 2, uh, leading tour operator, cancelled tens of thousands of um, holidays last night, um, basically because they simply cannot uh, be certain if they're going to be operating the holidays. Remember, the Foreign Office also warns against all but essential travel anywhere, and so um, it's a, a pretty terrible time to be a, a travel company, and it's also extremely tense and difficult time for the millions of people who have got holidays booked, many of them desperate to get away, um, some of them thinking, well, I do hope it's cancelled. Nobody knows, because yes. all we've got is leak after leak after leak, and yes. uh, i give you the latest leak, and um, the latest leak is that uh, uh, we will get um, corridors with France, Italy, Spain, Greece, Belgium, Holland, Germany um, and Gibraltar and Bermuda. A uh, question mark over um, Portugal there, which is going to upset a
1: lot of people. Well, why would there be a uh, question mark over Portugal? They've barely been hit by coronavirus. They've been one of the most successful countries with the, dealing with it. I think they should be more worried about us turning up than, uh, than, the, uh, than, than than anything else.
4: Everywhere should be more worried about us turning up. Of course they should. Um, yeah, we, we are, unfortunately... In the European league table, in the worldwide league table, we are near the top for prevalence of um, mm. uh, coronavirus. So therefore, you know, it, as has been um, pointed out by a number of um, leading medical people, it's absolutely mad. You should be encouraging millions of us to go away to places like... Greece, where you're going to be very unlikely to catch coronavirus, rather than staying here, where you've got a much higher chance. I think the fear um, lots of people
1: have, of course, Simon, is that their the fear is about being in an airport, getting on a plane. That's the thing that people are fearful of. I, I've say I think my family, we're pretty sure we've had the virus. We've taken antibody tests, and although um, there's some concerns about how accurate they are now, um, thinking you know, it's, it's 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 a risk worth taking. And I'm fr- quite frankly, I'm happy to go back and work in the spare bedroom for two weeks in my quarantine if that's what required. But I don't expect that is the case um but i, I just looking at the footage and we actually got you on video we'll be putting this uh, interview out on uh on youtube and on our uh, our twitter feed as well uh straight afterwards um i can see beautiful beautiful sunny blue skies behind you uh i've yet yeah. at seven fifty four in the morning to see a single plane uh pass you in the skies are there actually any planes taking off at the moment? Yeah, them look i've seen three
4: take off Um, I've been here maybe half an hour. um, And uh, so three takeoffs, that's not bad. All um, British Airways short haul flights. And, um, uh, you know, sooner or later, something might land. Normally, of course, you'd be getting um, uh, operations every every minute or so going in and out of what used to be Europe's busiest uh, international airport. The airlines are ramping up from next Monday, coinciding with the whole of um, uh, Europe opening up. They're ramping up their services, so there will be a bit more activity probably by next Wednesday. The trouble is nobody knows if they're going to be able to get on those planes without breaking the Foreign Office advice and without risking when they come back. Uh, the, the quarantine, quarantine. Um, but but crucially,
1: crucially, <laughs> you can't all move into my spare room. There's barely room for me. Um, uh, crucially, though, again, it's foreign office advice. You know, you're advised against, advised against all non-essential travel. What that means is that you know your travel insurance won't be valid. But you know, if you're just popping uh, over to you know France or Spain, you may not feel you know, you, and you've got your health in, your health covered anyway by under the EU rules that we're still part of during transition. You may not feel that's a big concern. Um, but you're not actually breaking the law in going to get on the plane. But I think what's just fine is. There's a lot of people who are concerned and thinking. Look, I've got flights booked, and I, you know, I've got flights booked in July. I've got flights booked in August. Um, how do I know? Is there any way of knowing whether those flights are happening or not? Because even if the lockdown lifted, even if there weren't quarantine rules, some of those flights may become unviable. May they not? If they've not sold out all the seats, and some of those flights will become viable, and, and new flights are, are being put on the rosters for these these airlines. Um, so even right now, if, even if you've got something booked, you don't know necessarily if that flight's going to happen.
4: Yeah, look, what's been happening for the last eight weeks since rumors started coming out of Downing Street about quarantine, um, nobody rationally has booked any flights, which means that the normal booking profile where the a- airlines like to see, sit- hang on, there's a plane just over there. Uh, I think it's a British Airways Airbus A320. Crikey. It's play- plane spotters heaven here, Julia. Really, I've just seen one. That's, that's, that's my lucky day. Um so, yeah, nobody's been booking flights, which means that the normal booking profile where you know every day another handful of people would book on a flight hasn't been followed. And so, therefore, lots of airlines are wiping out huge parts of their uh, schedules. EasyJet said, yeah, uh, we're hoping that we're going to sort of start flying at scale in um, July. But even then, July, August, September, we're only going to run 30 uh, percent of the uh, flights that we've intended in the first place. Um, uh, Ryanair is going up to maybe 40%, British Airways uh, probably about the same. Um, but there's going to be far fewer opportunities uh, because basically the airlines um, really don't want to fly lots of fresh air around. Yeah, it's a hu- um, huge and-
1: cost of landing and uh, taking off the fuel and paying the staff. Online,
0: on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app Talk Radio.
1: Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6:30 till 10. Want flexibility?
0: Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.